which is such a big problem in our world, and we all suffer from it at some point. We all struggle with this, Lord. We just pray that you would help us to see your heart on this issue, and that you would help us to um, know the difference between responsible caring for our lives and sinful worry, and that you would help us to develop a lifestyle that supports joyful, um, happy, and trusting living where we don't, we don't get eaten up and crippled by worry. So please be with us today and teach us and change us. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, I've, I've given you the handout that I gave you last week from, um, from, from last week's talk, but I've opened it on the section that deals with worry because that's what I'm talking about today. So it's winning over worry. It's on page four in your handout. And there's also a little card for you to take home with a short summary, becoming a warrior, not a warrior. Okay? And I'm also going to talk you through those circles of responsibility on the back, which help us to see the difference between worry that's concern and worry that's actually not good, that is really dangerous. Okay, now who here in the room has never suffered from worry, never struggled with worry and anxiety? Ah, good. So you're all honest. Okay, so of my four children, all of them have, have struggled with anxiety and worry. Okay, I've actually put up the verses that, that we're going to look at today. I've actually written them out for them and given them to them, and they, they're on all their walls at varsity or at work, wherever they are, because worry doesn't stop. Worry is not something that plagues you at school and then you get to the next stage and you don't have any worry. Okay, you worry, there's things to worry about until, until you die. Okay, but worry is not a healthy thing if it becomes a, a, something that you do as a habit. Okay, something that becomes compulsive. So first slide. What you'll see there, it's like a fridge, okay? It keeps running, but it goes nowhere. It's actually a lot of the words we use to describe worry. We say, I'm frazzled, I'm fearful, I'm stressed, I'm uptight, I'm overwhelmed, I've got too much work to do, I'm defeated, I'm exhausted. So anxiety saps our joy and strength. Um, anxiety can be spiritual bondage. Okay, it can hold us in captivity and stop us from doing the things that God has put us on this earth to do. Worry can tempt us into escapism. So we look for anything to escape. TV, cell phones, social media, wobbing, which is called work avoidance behavior. I'm sure you're all experts at that. It also tempts us to make really bad fear-driven decisions. Anyone here made a bad decision because they were worried? Ah, oh, good. Honesty. Okay, no, we are. We are often driven into very poor decision-making. We often try to control things that are in God's domain. They're things we can't control. Outcomes. Um, it also exposes our heart. So like I said last week with anxiety, it's an opportunity for us to look into our heart and say what's going on there. So if you are eaten up with anxiety, you need to ask some questions about yourself. You know, are you trusting in something to be happy, like money, like people? Are you longing for approval? Are you discontent? 
Are you saying phrases like this? If only I could get into the course I really want to do, I'll be happy and I'll stop worrying. If only I'll, I'll earn more money every month, I'll be happy. So there are those sort of things. I must have this. I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to lose something very important to me. I'm afraid to be exposed in front of people. I must have something. But chronic anxiety affects your health. You know that. So it, it, it releases these stress hormones called cortisol and adrenaline, and they flood your whole body, and they can cause you to have headaches, to shake. Your voice can become all shaky. They can cause you to lack sleep so that you become insomniac. You wake up in the middle of the night with, with big worries. They can affect your stomach. You can get a really bad digestive system. Um, you can get high blood pressure, ulcers, heart disease, all sorts of things. So when doctors don't know what's wrong with you, they say, I think you're stressed, okay? And usually they are right because that's, it actually has physical symptoms. And we need to look at what God's verdict is on worry, okay? God says in the Bible that worry is senseless, it's useless, and it's faithless. Okay, that's not a good verdict, is it? Jesus actually wants us to be free from worry. He wants us to be confident and joyful and peaceful and stable and loving and radiant and able to do all the things that God has given us to do. Okay? And it's not his will for us to be a warrior day and night. So let's look at how Jesus sees worry. That's on the next slide. I'm sure you all know this famous passage, Matthew 6. I've printed it out on your, on your little leaflet. Um, Tyra, would you read it for us? Do you think you can read in a loud voice? Okay. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 36. Now, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And just before this, he was speaking about idolatry. And he was saying, you can't worship two masters. You either worship God or you worship stuff, things of this world. And then he goes on to speak about worry. And what you see here is he says, put it off. Worry is not useful to you. Lay it aside. So do you see in verse 25 there, he says it's senseless. Why is it senseless? Why doesn't it make sense? 
Because your heavenly Father cares for you. That's why it doesn't make sense. Okay? It's useless, verse 36, because you know what? You can't grow any taller. You can't add a single moment to your lifespan if you worry. You can't get higher marks if you worry. <laughs> All the things that you worry about are not going to get any better because you're worrying about them. Okay? It's just logical. And thirdly, it's something that we sometimes miss in this passage. Jesus says it actually shows that we are faithless. Verse 30, O you of little faith, he says. So worry is a very clear signal, a red flag, that we're not trusting God to take care of us. That is what is at the bottom of worry. It's actually unbelief. It's lack of trust. It's seeing our circumstances as very big and God is very small. And Jesus is saying, turn it round. If even the lesser creation, like the, the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, are looked after by God the Father, how much more does he care for you, human beings, made in his image? That's what he's saying. Then he says, put on something. Remember last week we said, when we, when we, we, we down and we're wanting to climb the way up, we, we're wanting to find the way up, we need to take off. We need to renew our minds, and we need to put on something new. And what he's saying to put on, seek God and his kingdom first. Verse 33, put God at the center of your life. Make him big in your life. And be busy doing what God has called you to do right now. So if you're a student in your household, in your care center, in your school, wherever you are, do what God has called you to do exactly where you are, right now, in your church. Okay? Serve. Let, let your eyes lift from your own circumstances and let them focus on people around you and the work that you've been given to do. And then verse 34, he says something interesting. He says, each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus is implying there that you have responsibilities today, okay? You have troubles today to deal with it, to deal with. So prioritize, God's kingdom is first. Plan, plan for tomorrow. Don't be a person who never plans. You see there Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. If you don't plan ahead, if you're not applying for varsity, or for, for tertiary education when you're in grade 11, you're not planning ahead. Plan ahead, that's fine. Don't procrastinate, but be concerned for today. Don't be worried for tomorrow, okay? Because that's in God's hands. So the next slide actually shows us our circles of responsibility, and I wish I'd been shown this when I was your age, because I was a bit confused about this. I kind of thought... I was responsible for the whole world, okay? A lot of things outside of my area of responsibility. Some people think they're not responsible for anything. So they don't make their bed, they don't help at home. When their mom's making a meal, they never offer to help. They don't do their schoolwork, they do nothing. So this circle of responsibility shows you the two ways that we can, we can misunderstand what God wants us to do. So there in the middle is, is our responsibility to faithfully obey God in what he's called us to do right now. You see that little inner circle? The outer circle 
is the concerns that we need to entrust to God. So let me give you examples. Your responsibility as children is to obey your parents and honor them, right? That's what the Bible says children's job is to do, their primary job, okay? And if you don't have parents, it's the adults in your life, okay? It's to do your schoolwork. It's to, to help in your, in your home. It's to make your bed. It's to look after your body, steward your body. That's your responsibility. But the outer circle is those things that you need to entrust to God. Like, for example, you've applied for varsity, okay? You've looked at all the options. You've made, done the applications. That's not your parents' responsibility. That's yours. Now you leave the outcome to God. You say, I trust God because he's going to place me where he wants me. And he'll redirect my path if I've chosen the wrong thing. Okay? So you, you understand clearly that you don't worry about those things on the outside. Now, that's what we do. We, we, we faithfully obey. Now we plan ahead. We don't worry ahead. We take action for what we can, but we entrust our plans and outcomes to the Lord. And Nehemiah gives us such a good uh, example of this in the Old Testament. Nehemiah 4 verse 9, he's building the wall around Jerusalem. And he says, we prayed to God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. So he prayed to God, left it with the Lord, but he still set a guard. Okay? Which means that he, he behaved in a way that was responsible. And prudent is the word that the Bible uses. Okay? Now, the next slide is, is a passage from Philippians 4, which I think gives us the prescription for a life which, where we don't worry unnecessarily. Okay, this one's also very familiar, but listen to it with fresh eyes now. Um, Beth, would you read that? Have you got it there in front of you? Philippians 4, 4 to 9. So you can just read the first, yeah, read until verse 7, and then we'll stop there for a moment. That's such a beautiful passage, isn't it? That's really worth you writing out and putting on your wall, okay? Because it's really the prescription for good mental health, if you want to know, from straight from, from the Bible, straight from the Holy Spirit. First of all, God makes some promises here. Remember I said at the beginning of last week's talk, there was that, that funny sign I saw on a garage blackboard, and it said, come on, inner peace, I can't wait all day, you know? And there was this, there's this, like, desire we have for peace. We want peace inside of us. But, of course, that person's so impatient, they, they definitely don't have inner peace. But God's promise here is the peace of God will safeguard your heart. Do you see that? It's like he, he, he sends a security guard to safeguard your, your heart against worry. And verse 9, which is a little further ahead, you know, he says that the peace of God will be with you. So, you know, there's a thing that says the we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. But then the promise is that you have the peace of God 
which is in your heart that guards you, okay? That's subjective, that's, that's inside of you, and you feel it, okay? It's, it, it is a sense of security. So he promises that. He promises his peace. But he also gives us commands. So this is now our circle of responsibility, if you think of the previous slide. This is what we need to do. These are commands. He says, one, put off anxiety. It's a negative command. Do not be anxious for anything. Secondly, there's a, another command, rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say rejoice in all your difficulties and troubles. Rejoice in the Lord always, in everything. Okay? Now, rejoicing is not a feeling. <laughs> it's a doing word. Okay? You can rejoice even when you're feeling in grief. All right? Even when you're feeling grieving, like, like, like Paul who wrote this, wrote this from prison. And remember him and Silas once, they were in that prison cell in Philippi, in the stocks, tied up, and at midnight they started to sing hymns. That's an example of rejoicing in the Lord always. Okay? Then he says, pray. He says, bring everything to God in prayer. Okay? So you've got a communication line with God the Father, that God who cares for the, the flowers and the birds. You can pray to him, but it says, with, thanks, with thanksgiving. So thanksgiving is the thing that balances our prayers out. Because, yes, it's right that we lay all our fears before the Lord, and we tell him all our problems, and we ask him to help us with all our requests, but we must balance it out with thanksgiving. So we have a heart that says, Lord, I trust you. Thank you for what you've already done for me. Thank you for what you're going to do for me. Okay? A heart of thanksgiving. And the word supplication, anyone here has it a guess what supplication means? It's just a type of prayer. What's a supplication? It's a, it's a persistent prayer. Okay, so it's like the widow who was looking for bread to feed her, and she went next door over and over again and asked. And Jesus says, you must pray like that. Persistent. You can come with the same thing over and over again every day. Someone in your family doesn't know the Lord Jesus, and you would desperately want that person to. You come with supplication. You bring it again and again. So there, there the God's commands are. You've got something to do. When you've got a trouble, put off anxiety, rejoice in the Lord always, pray, supplication, thanksgiving. And our greatest temptation when we're in trouble is to think, if only my circumstances would change, I would be happy. I would stop worrying. I'm really afraid of what the future holds. That, that's the source of most of our anxiety, the uncertainty of the future. But... Where was Paul when he wrote this letter? He was in prison. And he actually gives us more antidote. So the next few verses, Philippians 4, 8 to 9. Someone you can read that? Anyone with a loud voice? Starting with finally brothers. You can say sisters too if you like. Learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace. 
Right. Thank you, Jenna. So the, 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 the slide before said, rejoice, pray, give thanks. Now, think and obey. Okay? Now, I've got a little picture there of a camera. It's an old-fashioned camera. But I want you to picture this. In your imagination and your mind, you, re you project onto that imagination or mind something every moment of every day. And the question is, what are you projecting on the movie screen of your imagination? Okay, is it what Paul talks about, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, or is it ugly? I mean, if, if you are going to dwell on every failure, every distress, every rejection you've ever had, every bad news story, every loss and fear and regret, you are going to become depressed and anxious. It's virtually guaranteed. Your lifestyle is supporting that way of thinking. Okay? Paul says, watch what you think about. You've now prayed and left it with the Lord. Now, guard your mind. Think. Think right. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. So if Christ is your Lord and Savior, he must be your Lord of your mind too, your thoughts. Okay? And social media is a very dangerous projector. Okay? I'm just saying. There's a, we, we were laughing at the game we played earlier on, multiple personality disorders, you know, when someone has an alter ego and they think they're somebody else. But, you know, there are these social media groups where people call it a support group, but there's some influencer that has this multiple personality disorder and pretends to talk in all these different voices and be all these different people. And all these kids your age think it's so cool and all say they have multiple personality disorder. And they behave like that. And then you take the social media away from them for eight weeks and they're all perfectly fine. You must be careful the rabbit holes you go down in on social media. TikTok videos and snap snap whatever what snapchat i now can't remember the right one because it was said to scan okay and and all all of these things you know they can make you really anxious and depressed if you're hearing all the things going wrong in the world all the time you will feel anxious those are not in your area of responsibility so don't dwell on them you see that word dwell don't dwell on them don't think on them Romans 8 verse 6 says, The mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Do you want life and peace? Or do you want death in your mind? And then verse 9, don't miss that. He says, What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace with, will be with you. So obey small, private steps of faith and obedience. What is God telling me to practice today? Well, he's given you Philippians 4. He's given you Matthew 6 to practice. Go out and practice them. Go and do them. How can you follow Paul's example? Well, do what he did in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. Give thanks. Pray. Okay. Now, the next slide is there to, to show you something that we often do, right? I thought this was a very cool picture to put in your mind. God's grace is like buttering bread. 
okay? It's perfectly sufficient to take the, to tackle the challenges of the day. But his grace will be in, inadequate if you try to spread it across tomorrow's problems as well. It's like buttering bread. The dab of butter designed for one slice gets a bit thin if you try to spread it over a whole loaf. Don't try and spread God's strength for today over tomorrow, next month, or next year. That's from Joel James's book, Help, I Can't Handle All These Trials. So think of that the next time you're worrying about tomorrow and next year and next month. You've been given one slice of bread with a dab of butter. Don't take out the whole loaf and start buttering it. Okay, God will give you what you need for today and only today. So if you are going to overcome worry and you're going to win over worry, which I believe every person who has Jesus can do, okay, I think he is the key because there's lots to worry about if you can't hand over those problems to the Lord, those ones outside of your circle, right? But we can because of Jesus, and you can pray to the Father because of Jesus and know that he cares. But you need to develop a whole new lifestyle as a Christian. The taking off, renewing your mind, putting on. That's a new lifestyle. Okay, it's a new manner of life, the Bible calls it. And so here's just a list of things which bring together what I've been showing you the last two weeks in, in a practical way. Put on trusting attitudes and actions. Okay, trusting attitudes, not fearful attitudes. Okay, so your thoughts are, 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 are more faithful than fearful. Pray trusting prayers, like 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your cares on, on the Lord, for he cares for you. It's like taking out your picnic basket with all your troubles, laying them out on the basket before him, and then leave them there. Don't go back and pick them up for yourself. Okay, Colossians 4 verse 2 is also a lovely verse. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So thankful prayers. Make a to-do list of your God-given responsibilities. So take that piece of paper that I've given you, that little cardboard. On the back is a picture of those responsibilities, the inner circle and the outer circle. Go home today for homework and make a list of all those things in the inner circle that are your responsibility. Not your parents, not God's, not the government's, your responsibility and write them out, okay? And prioritize them. You probably can't do all of them. Start small, especially when you're overwhelmed. Don't put everything there. You can only eat little biscuits if you've been sick. So just do it little bit by little bit. And then act on those things. The first thing you do is get up and make your bed. If you can be responsible for the area around you, you can start to move out from there. Rely on God's grace just for today. Don't try and spread it over tomorrow's problems. Remember that picture of the bread? Okay? Put it somewhere so that you can remember it. When you're very overwhelmed, okay, so sometimes we do, we, we, we have way more on our plate than we can handle. Times will happen like that. Crises will come. When you are in that state, here's a two-minute rule. When you're lying in bed and you feel, I can't get out of bed, just say to yourself, 
do something that's only going to take two minutes. Okay? Normally brushing your teeth takes two minutes. Then say, okay, I think I can make, I can get dressed because that's going to take two minutes. And then do that. I think I can make my bed. That's only two minutes. Break your day up into little bites. And even if it's two-minute bites, it's okay. The two-day rule is like this. If you've committed to a habit that you want to do every day, like read your Bible every day, okay, to remember what God says, if you miss a day, it's okay. The second day, get back to it. Don't say, I've fallen off the wagon, I must give this thing up, it didn't work. No, you, you give yourself grace and then you say, I'm going to do it the second day. That's the second day rule. Okay? Breathe. Now, this is a little trick, okay? If you've ever had anxiety problems before you have to do an exam or an oral or speak to someone important, there's this thing called the psychological sigh. Go like this. It, it accentuates your exhale. So breathe in like twice, like this, and breathe out. You know like a baby does when they're sobbing? Have you ever watched a baby who's like hysterical with sobbing? They actually sigh. They go <sighs> like that. That is a very good way to get rid of stress hormones out of your body. It, you feel better from doing it. Just do it three times. And, and it's a funny little trick, but it actually does work. Sleep. Sleep is incredibly important. Okay? Move. There's plenty of studies that show that exercise and movement helps to reduce stress especially first thing in the morning when you wake up even if it's for 10 minutes practice christian thankfulness i say christian thankfulness because in the wellness space of psychology people often talk about mindfulness meditation and gratitude but they're not thankful to god they don't even believe in god I'm talking about the thankfulness that says, thank you, Lord, for what you've given me. Thank you, Father. Okay. That's the kind of thanks that I'm talking about. Journaling. Now, I don't know why, but since I was a little girl, right, I used to do calligraphy. And I used to write out a lot of little things. And I always used to find it made me feel so nice. Like I felt so peaceful after writing. And I still write everything. I write everything down. Journals, I keep, I, I, I do a lot of writing. But I don't get that same sensation when I type on the laptop. And I actually did some research into it. And handwriting on paper with ink is incredibly good for you. It actually calms your mind. It brings it into the present moment. It helps you think of what is, not what might happen. So record moments when you are feeling anxious or depressed and when these feelings are triggered. Record it. Work out what events bring on this fear and anxiety and try to get to the root of it. Repent of sinful thought patterns. Acknowledge that it's sinful to be anxious all the time. It's not how God meant us to live. So repent when you feel you're not trusting the Lord. Say to the Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for failing to trust you. Making these things too big. Making idols out of things. And read your Bible daily. Look for God's acts and his character in his word. Why can you trust him? How does God see you? 
How does God see your problem? And what has God asked you to do today? And what you'll get is perspective. When you read the Bible and you see how big God is, you'll see how small your problem is in comparison. You'll see that God is powerful and he's wise and he's good. And write those things down in your journal so that you remember them for the next time. Cultivate godly fear. You know, in Psalms, David says, when I am afraid, so he acknowledges his fear, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Do you see what he's doing there? He's, he's making godly fear. He's, he's fearing God, not man or his circumstances. He's talking to himself. Those are the kinds of verses you can write down and put all around your room to remind you of who God is. And then select some areas where you can serve others because you know what? By taking your eyes off yourself, your anxiety goes, gets less. That's the truth. Don't obsess over your troubles. Take your eyes off yourself and help. Help at home, help at church, Write a note of thanks or encouragement to someone else. Okay? Pass it on. And you yourself will be helped. Right. So, don't forget, in your little area of responsibility is your body. So, the next slide shows you stewarding your body. That is your circle of responsibility. Okay? And the Bible has a high view of your body. It says you fearfully and wonderfully made. You were bought at a great price by Jesus. Therefore, honor your body. That's what the Bible says. Nourish your body. Don't mess with your brain chemicals. Okay? So you can see there the four chemicals that make you feel more peaceful and calm and better. Dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, serotonin. Don't spike any of these with unnatural substances. Get, you see there, one's the reward chemical, the love hormone, the painkiller, the mood stabilizer. They're natural ways to keep these hormones in balance and not to bring yourself to a place where you've got a deficit of any one of those things. So eat properly. Achieve goals. Get enough sleep. Have a bath. I mean, they're simple things anyone can do. Socialize. Hug people. Pet animals. Help others. Exercise, laugh, listen to music, go in the sunshine. Okay, they say mindfulness, but I would say prayer. Practice prayer and nature walks. All of these things are helping you focus on what is real, what is real and what is beautiful in this world that God has given us to enjoy. Focus on what is, not what might happen. Okay, so that's very important to remember. Okay, and we are in a sleep crisis at the moment. So there is a, a study that was done of 28,000 teenagers your age, grade 8 to 12, and they found that only 3% of teenagers were getting the required amount of sleep, which is 9 hours, 8 to 9 hours. They were getting 6.5 hours on average. That's a serious sleep deficit. And crazy thing is, the symptoms of sleep deprivation are exactly the same as the symptoms of depression and anxiety. So if you went to a psychologist with those symptoms, they would diagnose you with clinical depression. 
and yet you could just have a lack of sleep. And that sleep deficit goes, gets bigger and bigger from grade 8 to 12. So they found every year was a, a, an hour less sleep between those ages. So you kids have to watch this. You know, make sure you get enough sleep. Wake up at the same time every morning. Go to bed at the same time. Um, be consistent. Be careful of the blue lights on these phones and, and, and all devices. The blue light that every screen has basically um, makes your stress hormones get released, okay? And it stops melatonin being produced. And melatonin is that lovely hormone that gets you into a deep, deep sleep. So basically, if, if you look at your phone just before bedtime, it will be two hours before you produce melatonin and can go into a deep sleep. So keep your phone in another room, basically, at night. And don't use it an hour, from an hour before bedtime. Pa practice digital resistance. Okay, you are never going to be able to escape the digital world. But we have to actively resist the addiction that it's forming. And that is a huge source of anxiety in this generation. Why is Gen Z the greatest, most anxious, most depressed generation of all? It's because you were given a device from the moment you were born. Okay, the last slide is just a summary showing you these are the ways to become a warrior, not a warrior, okay? We've looked at all of these, but this is a, just a little summary for you to keep on your fridge or on your mirror or something so that you, have a, you can remember these things when you feel you're sliding or spiraling into anxiety. Work at actively trusting the Lord, not your feelings. Trust his sovereignty, his faithfulness, his wisdom. Write, W, and walk to regulate emotions. So those are all the Ws. Okay, walking is fantastic. All the adrenaline and cortisol gets walked off, which is such, why it's such a good exercise. Ask, don't be afraid to ask for advice, for godly people to pray with you. Ask an older Christian to disciple you. Ask God to provide your needs. Ask for help. It's not weak to ask for help if you're suffering from depression or anxiety. Ask for help. My number's on the back of your handout if you need to, to find a counselor. Routine, R for routine. Reduce stress by being organized, ordered, and on time. Don't leave for tomorrow what you can do for today. It's a good principle of life. Okay, because you'll get overwhelmed if you start to build up stuff that you didn't do because you weren't, you weren't in a good routine. Another R, renew your mind in the Bible daily. Remember what we said? You have to renew your mind in the truth. Remember God's faithfulness. Resist depressing media. I, insight. Insight means you can look into your heart beyond the superficial. Search your heart for roots. Why do you have a problem with anxiety? If only kind of talk, uproot unbelief, brooding, complaining, fear, self-pity, laziness. Like for me, I, have, I had the sin of brooding. I would brood over negative things for ages. You know, like a hen broods over the eggs and the chicks. That's what I would do. I would nurse them. That's brooding. Yeah? That's what it means. It means like 
obsessing about something negative. So there's something worrying you or something, some trouble, but you just sit there and you just think about it all day. You nurse it. You support it. You know? Okay? Look rather and say, what does this say about God? What does God say to do with this? That's how we uproot those things. And then influences. Fill your life with God-honoring music, movies, books, and people. So what I was saying about brooding, that's what we need to take off, but put in its place. Praise, worship. Praise and worship music. I mean, every morning I do my exercises, and I think Pete laughs at me because I have my praise and worship music blaring while I'm watching the video and doing my exercises. But we need to start the day like that. We need to fill our minds with good things. That's what Paul means in Philippians 4. Whatever is true and noble and right, fill your minds with such things. Then O for obey, what is God telling me to do today? What are my responsibilities today? Rejoice, pray, thank, think, obey. Remember those, okay? So act, don't just be a hearer, be a doer. Of the word. And then R, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. List five things to rejoice in today, to thank Him for. Rest, remember that. Take a weekly Sabbath. Even though schoolwork is hectic, try to take a 24 hour break every week. Try to get that Sabbath in. Prioritize sleep and, re- and peaceful sleep. Relaxing activities like walking with your friends, go for a, a walk and go for a hike, organize something, a picnic, and real relationships. I mean face-to-face rather than online. So that's really the strategy to become a warrior and not a warrior. And, and, and I'm living proof. I was a warrior and the bad kind, the O kind, not the A kind. But the Lord has taught me, and I don't call myself a warrior anymore because I don't do that. So I would love to know, are there any questions? Don't be afraid to ask. We've got a few minutes for questions. No question is stupid. You guys were full of questions for the panel the other day. I'm sure you can think of something in your own life. Your questions will help others. Are you all clear about what your circles of responsibility are in life? What you, what you need to do, or is some of this like not clear to you? Because I think that's one of the major reasons why we worry, is because we're worrying about things that we can't control, that are actually God's domain. Do you have a person you can pray with when you are worried? Well, find someone. Has anyone here ever had a panic attack? Okay. So panic attacks are real. Your body actually feels like it's having a heart attack. Okay. And sometimes there's a physical reason that triggers it. You could have been sick. Or you could just be in a situation where you are feeling totally out of your depth. You know, Um, it's nothing to be ashamed about at all. 
one good good thing in the in the moment when you when you're having a panic attack is just to shock your body put it in a, a bowl of ice water something like that or or go and box on a boxing bag just to get rid of the adrenaline because your body is just full of adrenaline full of fear it's like a lion is chasing you but there is no lion but then you need to dig deeper and you need to say what has brought you to this place of sheer panic. What, what are you so afraid of? I'll just read to you. This was a book called I Get Panic Attacks. And I actually have known a few people who get them. So I really want to know how to help them. But this woman was talking about her own experience. And one thing, this is what she said. She said, after time, I realized that the anxiety controlling my life was mine. I was aware that my lifestyle supported my anxiety. Watching sad movies, listening to the same threatening news, calling everyone I knew to talk up a problem. I also didn't eat well. Um, I stewed over the past, didn't exercise, and slept way too much. I woke up one morning almost non-functional. I didn't want to get out of bed, bath, dress, or take care of my family. On that eye-opening day, I made a decision that I wanted to live. The decision was huge. My journey wasn't easy, but with the hourly choice to move forward, things began to shift. With much prayer and strenuous effort, I gradually replaced negative life patterns. At first, it's a wrestling match, but with time, it becomes more of a natural response. So understand with things like panic attacks, you may need something just to help you in that first week to just calm your body down. But you've got to get to the root of what caused such a terrible anxiety and panic and, and, and develop a lifestyle that is more trusting. Most of all, your, your vertical relationship with God. That is the most important relationship to sort out. When that is sorted out, many other things fall into place. And a fear of man is replaced with a fear of God. So if anyone has had that, please get help and, and go to a Christian who will look at biblical principles and not worldly principles, which really are just basically medication. Anything else? Thanks for listening. Thanks for being so attentive. Thank you guys are amazing. And I think that whatever you've got ahead of you, your future is very bright. Just remember, keep climbing. You can't sit in the little, in the little um, crevice forever. The way, the, 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 the way up when you're down is to focus on Jesus and get that relationship right. But thank you for listening. And if you've got any questions or if you want to come and see me, my details are on the back. Okay. All right, everybody.